Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Here. Welcome, welcome, welcome again. My name is Pastor Todd. If you're visiting with us and joining us for the first time, uh, we're kicking off a brand new series called Greater Than. And uh, this is something I'll typically do during the summertime. Is I, I kind of think of it as my summer Bible series. And here's why. I love the Bible. I love scripture. And I want you to love scripture the way I love scripture. And it's one thing for me to like hit on these certain topics that I know that you deal with. For example, a couple weeks ago, we did this message on anger and everybody was like, oh my gosh, that was so good. That was just for me. Which just proves you all have anger issues. So, um, but, but every once in a while, I like to say, hey, let's just look at Scripture. Let's just look at what God has breathed on and let it speak to us. Um, let's let the Scripture breathe. Let's let, let, let's let it speak to us. And so sometimes, though, this is what I know about when I go back in time to when I became an early Christian, a new believer. I looked at the Bible and it looked so weird and confusing. Did, do you ever feel that way? Like you, you flip through it and you're like, where the heck? And who are these people with weird names? And I don't even know where to go. And did you ever do the thing where you just flipped and did that and called? and hope God spoke to you and it didn't work. Some guy was killing some other guy. It was weird. And so, so there's all this stuff about scripture, but I, I want you to know like scripture is amazing. It's a wonderful, incredible book. It's not really even a book. Can I just help you with the Bible? It's not a book. It's a collection of books. It's like 40 different authors over a span of a few thousand years collecting and putting this stuff together. And so they, they wrote this stuff and it was their experience with God and their journeying with God. And there's all kinds of cool books in the Bible. Like there's certain books that are just like stories and there's certain parts that are history and there's certain part that's like poetry and then certain parts is wisdom. And there's, all, there's just all kinds of dynamic things going on. So the Old Testament, which is really a bad name for it, the Old Testament is not just, because it, sometimes you think, well, this is the old one and then this is the new one. And how many like the old one? I like the new one better. You know, so it's, it's not really like that. It's actually the, the, the story of the Jewish people and a bunch of different covenants. So it's not old covenant, new covenant. It was really a bunch of, it was, but dynamic. And then by the time you get into the New Testament, so the way that the Bible is, is broken up into these major two sections, you have Old Testament and New Testament. Well, there's 66 total. There's 39 old and 27 new. And so the, the 27 New Testament books of the Bible begin with the life of Jesus. Then it moves forward into the history of the church and how the church got started. And then after that, it's all these different guys writing letters or epistles. And that's what we're going to look at in this series is the epistle or the letter that Paul wrote to the church in the city of Coloss, which is why we call it Colossians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we've been, we've been doing this for years. Every, every, every year or so, I'll pick on a book of the Bible like Philippians. We did a series called The Joy Genome. Um, one year, we did the book of Ephesians. It was called You Do You. Um, anyway, and this is what we'll look at because the, the big theme of Colossians is greater than that's the idea. And so here's the, here's the backdrop of Colossians. The apostle Paul is a missionary. He's a Jesus follower and he literally is traveling around the Mediterranean rim, going from city to city and establishing the Jesus movement, establishing these churches. And what he would do is he would just travel around and sometimes like a, a riot would break out. <laughs> Sometimes he'd get arrested. Sometimes he'd get beaten up. Sometimes revival broke out and people, it was crazy. But eventually, you know, he ends up in prison. And while in prison, this other pastor named Epaphras decides to visit Paul. And he visits Paul because back home in his home church, a trouble is a brewing. Like there's some funkiness in the church. Anybody ever been a part of a church that had some funkiness going on up in the jail? I kind of I kind of enjoy church funkiness. There's no church funkiness in here. Can I get a praise the Lord and a hallelujah? Yeah, thank God for that. And so uh, those people don't last long. So um, I won't tell you why, but they don't they don't last long here because we're not a drama church. So, but I mean, I've been a part of some drama, and it's awesome. It's 
painfully humorous. And so, um, so anyway, there's some drama going on in this church. Now, now other churches have worse drama. Corinthians had the worst. I don't want to talk about them. Colossians had some drama going on. And so Epaphras, the pastor, the guy who started the church, goes to the Apostle Paul. Well, Paul's in prison in Rome. And he goes, hey, can you do me a favor? You're the Apostle Paul. You're like a rock star. And if you would write us a letter and just kind of put your stamp on this thing, I want you to write a letter to my people giving them the business and the what for and the teaching and the encouragement and help us with these issues. Now, here's the problem. I don't know what Epaphras said to Paul. I just know they had issues. I don't know exactly what those issues are. I just can read Paul's letter to kind of reverse figure out maybe what was going on in this church. So over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at what did the Apostle Paul say to this church? And in light of that, what might God be saying to our church? Can I get an amen? Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Let's pray before we begin and get into the scriptures. So, Father, we pray that, God, you would take this holy, sacred writing, this scripture, and, God, let it breathe, let it speak to us, let it change us from the inside out, let us challenge us the way it challenged them, maybe, and, God, would you just help us to grow closer to you and know you more, God? That is our prayer today in Jesus' name, and we all said... Amen. So again, the idea of the book of Colossians is this big theme, which is why the series is titled Greater Than. It's because that is the big theme, is that Jesus is greater than... And you just fill in the blank. I mean, whatever their issues were, Jesus is is bigger than that. Paul is basically saying, hey, Jesus is bigger than your religious ideas. He's bigger. Jesus is bigger than your, your paganism, your worldly, cultural, sinful... Yeah, Jesus is bigger than your personal sins and your issues and your problems. Jesus is bigger and greater than Jesus is the answer. And I'm going to show you that as I kind of unfold. I'm going to show you what it's like to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus, and what it looks like to live that out. But you just need to know what you're dealing with is what you've done, and this is what we'll discover over the weeks to come, is that you sometimes have a temptation to place other things above Jesus, and that always ends in heartache. Or disaster or deception or something bad. And so if you will always remember that Jesus is greater than, and if I seek him first and put him first, that that will actually, because whatever I, I put first in my life orders everything else. Whatever I seek first, that ends up establishing everything else in my life. You put Jesus first, that'll solve everything else. And so the way that this thing starts out is most of these letters start out with a greeting. And so Paul is like, hi, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle, and blah, 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 blah. And we're just so excited. And, you know, so anyway... But he starts out with this idea after he greets and welcomes everybody. This is what he says in verse number nine. He goes, since the day we heard about you, because Paul had never been there before. This is not one of Paul's churches. This is a church that Epaphras has started. And so he said, hey, since the day I heard about you, we have not stopped what? Praying for you. Like, I want you to know I'm praying for you, which you know what? Let me let me dive into something that's very now. Um, Paul is about to challenge them. Paul disagrees with them. Paul is about to get in their business about some stuff that he thinks is ridiculous. The, The big observation is this, is that we can disagree, but I can still love you and pray for you. Because right now, there's a lot of vitriol. Right now, there's a lot of hate. A lot now, there's a lot of arguing. There's a lot. Let me just, let me just be honest. Put, the pastor going to put you on front street. Your Facebook feed reflects something that is not what Jesus is about. Your Facebook feed and what the, the type of hate and argument and disagreement and vitriol that we are spewing is not 
how a Christ follower would handle this. Because the reality is this, is I can completely disagree with you. I ain't got to hate. I can love you. And I can pray. And let me, what you're disagreeing about, although it's a big deal to you, it is temporal. What he was about to disagree with them was eternal. It was of eternal ramifications. And he goes, you know, we can disagree and I can still love you. I can still pray for you. We don't have to start throwing hate and mudslinging. And so I just want you to be aware that if you're out there, you you might want to roll back and say, Jesus, what would you have me do? Because before I say a word, before I start spewing hate and disagreement, can I love them? And can I pray for them? Something to think about. So in this, let me read again. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Now, in the next few verses to come, Paul is actually going to just pray out loud for them. This is really, really cool, right? Because sometimes, have you ever felt like prayer is hard? Some of you just feel like prayer is boring, and I totally get that. Um, I feel like I'm a boy, and I belong outside throwing things. And so, if you said, Todd, I need you just to sit still. It's like telling a little boy to sit still. I need you to sit still, and then fold your hands, and then close your eyes, and then just sit there. And that's hard. Um, That's kind of, maybe y'all are good at that, but I'm not. And so... um, But sometimes prayer can be boring. Sometimes prayer is difficult because you don't know what to pray. Sometimes prayer is hard because uh, you're not even sure if it works. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like, God, I feel like I'm talking to myself. Are you even listening? Is this, does this even matter? Some of you struggle with prayer. You know why you struggle with prayer? It depends on the way you were raised. Um, I've been, and I'm not going to, I'm not hating on anybody, I promise, but I've been to a couple of events lately of a certain kind of religious flow. And I'm like, oh my Lord, this is painful. Like, it's like chanting and incantations and lifeless regurgitations. And I'm like, this is boring, dear Lord. This sounds robotic. This doesn't feel natural at all. And so I just feel like, man, if I grew up this way, no, I, I could see myself struggling with certain things. I just want you to know that prayer can be powerful, that prayer is a necessity. And I'll tell you why. Number one is this, is that you need to know, like, prayer is important because prayer changes things. It really, really does. Like some of us, you know, we struggle with that. We're like, well, God, if you're in control and if you know everything, what's the point of me telling you you already know anyway? And if you're already sovereign and all this stuff, you, you know, why, why would I ask you for anything? And the reality is this. The reason why you want to ask God to do something is because God has invited you in to ask him to do something. Like there's these weird stories in the Old Testament where Abraham has a debate with God. Like Abraham's like, come on, God, please. And God's like, no, I don't want to. And then he's like, well, what? And he starts bartering with God. It's this really odd thing. And I think God knows what he's doing and what he wants to do. And he's just, but he's just having a dialogue with Abraham. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm trying to get you to like pray. I'm trying to get you to ask me to move on your behalf. It's an invitation. Moses does the same thing. Like Moses, Moses's prayer is crazy because the people are very sinful. They're in one minute worshiping God and the next minute they're making a cow and worshiping that. And God's like, what the heck are y'all doing? And so, and so God's like, you know what? Let's just, <laughs> this, this is a funny story. He, he's like, you know what? I'll just wipe them out and we'll start over with you, Moses. And Moses is like, whoa, wait a minute. But what if, <laughs> and again, I don't think God's ever going to wipe them out. He's just inviting Moses into a dialogue. And Moses is like, no, well, well, you brought them out here. You delivered them. They're your people. And Moses starts blaming God that the people are crazy. It's funny. God is inviting you in because you have the ability. God is saying you have the ability. If if you're a parent, you know what this is like. Sometimes parents, you kind of know what you're going to do. 
You kind of have your mind made up, but man, if they'll, if they'll put it on, like, mom, you are so wonderful. You look so pretty in that dress today. I was wondering, now I already did the dishes for you and did a little vacuum, and I just was wondering. And you know, like, aw, I wasn't going to let you, but you're so sweet. I, you know, like, it's almost like an invitation in to like, just love and have a relationship and have connection and have communion. And you're willing to even change some things. Why? I don't know, because you're in a relationship, and that's what this is really all about anyway. But you just need to know, like, I want you to pray because prayer changes things. Here's the other thing, though. This is huge. This is maybe the more important one, is that prayer changes us. Have you ever thought about that? That really, the majority of the time that you ask for something, God doesn't give it to you? He just changes you? Because the very thing that you needed was probably not what you needed. This is like the kid asking mom for cookies for dinner. You know, that, that kind of thing. No. You know, you, you don't need that, but I'm going to change you. And so, so God, a lot of the things we ask for, God doesn't want to give us because they'll probably hurt us anyway. But God's like, I, I'd rather just change you. Because what you do is, is when you pray, you need to know something supernatural is taking place here. I want you to get out of your head when you pray and realize that you dive into the deep end of the divine. Because when you pray, I want you to consider the fact that you're praying to a father who's in heaven. But what would unction you to pray? And the Bible says that the spirit is actually what helps us to pray and unctions us to pray. And then we're praying in the name of Jesus. Or in some ways we would say on the pathway that Jesus has created. So literally as you pray, you're praying to a father by the spirit in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden you're partaking in the divine. And as you draw closer to God, you know what happens? If you draw close enough to God, even if your circumstances don't change, you do. And that's the power of prayer. That's why I want you to pray. And no matter what that looks like to you, I'm not saying that prayer is the folding of your hands and the closing of... Prayer can take on so many different kind of forms. That's why the Apostle Paul later says, he goes, just pray all the time. Pray always. Well, you're not always doing this. I mean, dear Lord, you couldn't drive. You couldn't do work. You couldn't... So prayer is this kind of constant state of the awareness of the presence of... Of God. As a matter of fact, that's what Jacob had an experience in the Old Testament where he's having this, this vision and this dream and he's seeing a ladder and angels and whatever. And you know what he says at the end of this moment, this experience with God? He goes, God was in this place and I didn't even know it. So what prayer does is it invites you into this kind of divine deep end of the pool where you become more aware of God's presence, even in the small and little and mundane things of life. And so, so anyway, Paul's inviting you in to pray, and this is what he prays. Are you ready? So like, let's dive into what he actually says, because how many know there's kind of a Christian cliche? Oh, you should pray about that. Isn't that annoying? Somebody says that to you at the wrong time. Or they just, you feel like, oh, I'm going to pray for you. And you feel like, I don't think they're going to pray for me. I think they're just saying that. So the apostle Paul, when he says, I'm going to pray for you, it's not fake. It's actually real because he writes down his prayer. And this is what he prays. And there's five things that I think are at the core of this prayer that we're going to unpack today. So uh, here we go. Verse number nine, he says this. It says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And so there's almost this big idea of, I want you to know the will of God. And then there's a few things that that might look like. And so he goes, so that you may live a life that the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power. 
according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now, isn't that wordy? That's some wordy stuff. As a matter of fact, just leave that one there for a second. Let me help you out real quick here, because what I want you to do over the course of the next few weeks is I want you to read the book of Colossians. But here's the thing that you need to be aware of. Colossians is wordy. Paul writes in a wordy way. The way that they wrote back then, the way that they wrote back then was not like Twitter where you just start trying to get out so many characters or less. He takes his time. And when you look at, like this whole thing is so packed Like this one sentence, I could spend the whole day on this one sentence because he just packs so much into it. So when you read the book of Colossians, go slowly. When you read it, read it in small sections and then actually take each verse and then start to break it down and meditate and contemplate and wonder and think and ask and all this stuff. If you read over this fast, you're going to get to the end of reading 10 or 12 or 20 verses and you know what you're going to say? You're going to say, I don't even know what I just read. You better slow down. Because he says, he has this idea of like God who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people and the kingdom of life. I mean, there's a lot going on there. So slow down when you read it. But again, let's talk about the five things that the Apostle Paul is praying for as he prays for you. Number one is this, and this is kind of the prayer. This is the prayer that I pray for you. This is the prayer I pray for myself. This is the prayer we ought to be praying. And so help me to know God's will. And, and that's kind of a kind of an odd term, the way me, we might understand it even better. Help me to know who God is and what he's up to in the earth. Help me to know who God is and what he's all about and what he's up to. Like, what's God up to in the world? This is really what we would call the sovereign will of God. This is just what God's doing. What's God doing in humanity? What's God doing in the earth? What's God's, what's the long-term plan? How can you look through history and then peer into the future and wonder what God is all up to? This is the sovereign will of God. The other one is what we would call maybe the moral will of God. Sometimes we need to ask this, what is right and wrong in God's eyes? Like, what are the ways of God? Because here's the deal. If it's wrong in God's eyes, there's a reason for it. God does not just arbitrarily pick, well, that's, I'm going to call that bad, and I'm going to call that good. No, anything is bad because somehow it hurts you or hurts other people. Well, God, it's important for me to live a life that's pleasing to you, and I don't want to hurt other people because you love people. And so, God, what, what is your moral will? What is right and wrong in your eyes? The moral will of God, and this is what we, most of us care about the most, although if we got this one, this first one down... And we got the second one down. This one will really start taking care of itself. Is what's God up to in my life? Like what is God's personal plan for my life? What's he up to in me? What's he trying to do? And and not just like what's God's next step. It should be more along the lines of like God. What are you trying to change in me? Create in me. Renew in me like kill in me that doesn't belong there like what are you trying to do in me and so this this idea of god i want to know your will your ways your desires for my life for the world what's going on here's the scripture to just to back this up proverbs 3 verse 6 says this it says in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path so if you ever wanted to be in the personal will of god and know what god's plan was for your life the answer is this acknowledge him first in all your everybody say all One of the temptations we run into is we like to acknowledge God in the ways that we like best. 
We like to acknowledge God in the ways that are most comfortable to us. But the ones that are uncomfortable, we're like, I won't acknowledge you in those ways. I'll take care of that myself. And God's like, no, no, in all your ways, acknowledge me. And and it's this idea of, in essence, that if I keep moving towards God, God will keep me moving in the right direction. It's hard to stay moving in the right direction if that direction is not moving towards God. Those things are mutually exclusive. So as I draw closer to God, God keeps me on the right path. And then let me give you some encouragement out there because some of you worry about your past. Remember I said Jesus is greater than? He is greater than your past failures and mistakes. Which means this. Destiny delayed is not destiny denied. That God has the ability to take what was wrong in your past and make it right and still put you on his perfect path. So you don't have to live in your past and you don't have to worry about the guilt and the shame of your past and see God how, and it's going to prevent me and I'm never going to, no, 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 no. God has the ability to right your wrongs if you will put him first and get you back on the path that he has destined for you. Can I get an amen to that? That just sounds, I feel better after thinking about that. Um, Number two is this. The second thing that the apostle Paul prays for is this, is God help me to do your work. Like you need to know, not only is God trying to do something in you, God's trying to do something through you and with you. Like you have meaning and purpose. And if you don't do it, something is missing. Has anybody ever tried to be like put together a puzzle? I'm not a big puzzle guy. Every once in a while in the summertime, do a little puzzle vacation thing, do a puzzle You know what the worst thing about a puzzle is? Is when you have a missing piece. Won't it drive you crazy? You can't sleep at night. And you're tearing through the couch cushions and looking under the coffee table and it's everywhere and you figure out the dog ate it. And you realize that there's nothing more annoying than having a missing piece. Well, you need to realize that in in what God is up to in the earth and in the world... You are a puzzle. You are part of that. And you, you got to play your role. That you got to figure out what your purpose is. So here's some questions you might ask beyond what, what has God created me to do? You'd ask this. What are the gifts that I've been given? Like you have gifts and talents and abilities. What is it that God has designed you to do? Like you need to know like your personality, your genetic code is wired in such a way that makes you good at certain things. And you kind of stink at others. But don't worry about that. Other people will make up that puzzle piece. What is it that you've been gifted to do? Here's another one. What are the needs around me? Because one of the greatest questions you can ask yourself is just like, hey, what are the needs? Because I can meet a need. I'll just jump in. I can take care of that. I can fix that. One of the greatest questions you can ever ask as a servant is this. Hey, what do you need from me? Was there anything I can do? Because sometimes your greatest ability is just your availability. And your greatest gift is your time. And everybody in here has got some of that right now. We've all got some time. And so what are the needs that are around me? And then lastly is this, what am I going to do about it? Like I've got gifts and talents. There's needs around me. What am I going to do about it? And the answer is this, you want to get to work because God has designed you. Look, look at the scripture, beautiful scripture. Ephesians two verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God's trying to do something in you, but he's trying to do something through you. He's got a work that he wants you to walk in. And it's so important. The apostle Paul's like, hey, I'm praying for you. There's a work out there for you. If you'll discover it, you'd be blessed if you do. Number three is this uh, third thing Paul is praying for you. And I'm praying for you. And I'm praying for myself is help me to grow closer to God. 
Like that is so crucial to this whole thing. Like God, help me just to be closer to you. Help me to be more aware of your presence. Help me be more connected to who you are. As a matter of fact, I think, I think you could define it this way, the way John defines it in John 17, three, he says this, he goes, this is eternal life that they may know you. Do you ever wanted to, what, what is eternal life? Eternal life begins the moment that I know God. That's when eternal life begins. The moment that I meet God and experience God and sense God and walk with God and know God, that's when eternal life begins. It's knowing God and then Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And, and just so you know too, I don't know how to teach you how to do this. This is like the mystery of it all. The, like, like what God is going to do in you is different than what he's going to do in me. But I'm going to give you like some hints. Like this is what I find to be true. This is how I end up being closer to God. Number one is this, is this idea of prayer. We talked about it earlier. It's this idea of stepping into the deep end of the divine and connecting and talking and hearing. And all. I mean, this is cool. Number two is this, it's like worship. We did this earlier. There is something about getting outside of yourself, getting outside of your ego Getting outside of your stress, your fear, your worry, your need, whatever you're, and then just fixating on God. And then hearing these words that are based on scripture and then letting them kind of, man, just wash over you. Here's another one communion. Like we're gonna take communion in a couple weeks. And you know what communion is? Communion is recognizing his death and burial and resurrection. And then when I take the bread and the cup, I'm literally taking in. That experience and it draws me closer to God. Here's another, just the scripture. We're doing this now. We're taking these holy and divine words and we're just saying, God, would you let them roll over me and speak to me and change me? Here's another one. Helping those in need. Like I know this to be true. That when you help somebody who cannot help you back and cannot pay you back anything in return. That when you look into the eyes of affliction and need, you're looking into the eyes of Jesus. That literally, because this, this is what Jesus said. He goes, remember when I was naked and you gave me clothing? I was hungry and you fed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And all the people were so confused. They were like, you don't have a criminal record and you've never been to jail. You don't have street cred. You did not go to prison. And Jesus said, you're missing the point. When you do it to the least of these, you are literally doing it for me. That when you look into the eyes of need and pain and suffering, when you meet those needs, you are connecting to something beyond yourself. You've gotten out of your ego, out of your mess, out of your, and you focused on somebody else and in doing so, you drew closer to me. Here's another one. This is a weird one, but, but creation. I want you to think about this. Long before you ever had a Bible, you had creation. Isn't that right? Whether you believe that your earth is young or old. Long time before you ever had a Bible, you had creation. You had the ability to go outside and look around. And the Bible says that there's something about creation that speaks on behalf of God. I'm not making this up. I'm going to read it for you. Psalms 19 says this. It says that the heavens declare the glory of God and that the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they they pour forth speech and night after night, they do what? They reveal knowledge. Well, what knowledge are they revealing? The knowledge of God. Now, creation is not God. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that for a long time before you ever had a Bible, is you had creation. And you had the ability to look up, and, 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 and if you've ever done this, because sometimes we, in California, take for granted how beautiful it is that we live here. And then because of our culture, we sometimes are falling into the trap of being fixated on a screen. So we see more screen than we do see the beauty of creation. I like crickets in here. What? Um, 
and, and what I'm just telling you is this, is that to, to, to take a walk. Because you, know you know what creation really reveals? Is that you have a powerful and wonderful and glorious creator. And knowing that draws me closer to God. So I, my whole life is lived trying to draw closer and closer to God. And that's what Paul's praying for you. Uh, number four is this, and we're going to move quickly now. Um, because you got to get to lunch at some point. So... So number four is this, is God, help me to walk in, in your strength. Like, help me to like, because here's what I know about you and here's what I know about me. Sometimes life wears me out. Sometimes people wear me out. Sometimes my job, my in-laws, co-workers, neighbors, the neighbor who put the fence three feet inside of yours and now you're suing them and they won't speak to you or open the door. I'm just telling you like I get life. Life can be taxing. And if you live life only living in your own strength and ability, man, you stay wore out. You stay tired. And so all I want you to know is that God's strength is available to you. Listen to this, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And just so you know, this is not like, oh, I can dunk a basketball. You're not going to dunk a basketball unless you're on a trampoline or something. But, or you lower the rim to four feet or whatever it is. And so you... This is, not, that's not, this is not a sports verse. Paul was talking about living a, a, a painful life. But he realized that I don't live this life on my own strength. I live this life based on Christ's strength operating in me. I can literally, what he would really say is, I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. One more just for fun. Psalms 46.1 says this, is that God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Like not distant. No, God is close. His strength is immediately available as you draw closer to him. God's strength at work in you. And then lastly is this, is God help me to have a grateful heart. This is so huge. So before I'm kind of praying for things, but now I'm just praying simply for something that God helped me to have a grateful heart. That's what the apostle, but go read the prayer again. It was this whole idea of drawing closer and closer to God. But as I do so, I'm knowing God, I'm walking in his will. I'm, I'm, I'm the work that God's designed me for. I'm drawing on his strength, but God, give me a grateful heart. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, give thanks in all circumstances. You ever wanted to know what God's will is? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That for you to have a grateful heart is maybe the most important thing that you can do for yourself to get out of your funk. If you're living in the funk, if you're living in the negativity, if you find yourself to be a critical or a negative person, one of the greatest things that you can ever do is develop the habit of gratitude. Now, here's the deal. If you ever sit that back and say, well, Lord, help me to be grateful. I don't know how far that'll get you. It'll help. But what you better do is, is now pray that prayer and then go to work. One of the greatest things you can do is start making a list of all the things that you have to be grateful for in life. Every time you find yourself envious of what other people have, start making a grateful list. In your prayer time, make a grateful list. When you're walking through creation and observe, make a grateful, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's not just a prayer, but it's also a habit. And again, the reason why I'm praying these things is because these are the things that I want operating in my life. Because I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but our prayer is our focus. Our prayer is our pursuit. Our prayer is our expectation. You ever notice that? When you start praying for things, you start looking for them. Like I'm praying for so-and-so. You keep praying hard enough, 
you keep looking for it. You keep praying for them to get that job. You're like, hey, you got that job yet? Hey, you got that? You're probably wearing them out, but hey, you got that job yet? You're praying for them to be, hey, are you better now? I, no, you're getting better. I, okay, you might not feel it, but I'm praying. And you call the name. You just, you're, you're expecting it. You're pursuing it. It's your expectation in life. It's the thing that's driving you forward. So that's why prayer, again, is so, so absolutely powerful. Now, in the end here, and I'm going to wrap and close on this. There's one last verse to this prayer. So he goes through and he lists all these things that he's saying, I'm trying to get these things in you. And I want these things to be your pursuit and your focus. But at the end, I want you to see how he closes because it's amazing. Last verse is verse 13 says this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he lives in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he goes, hey, look, I'm going to disagree with you about some stuff. I'm going to get up in your business, but I know, I need you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. And I want God's work inside of you. I want God's movement inside of you. I'm so for you. And at the end, he paints this little picture of the gospel. I want you to know, like, let me read it again. This is the little thing about this. And this is a little picture of the gospel because Jesus has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and he brought you into the kingdom of the son that he loves in whom we have what? Redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Like, I want you to know this. In light of all this, I want you to know that God loves you, that he has redeemed you and forgiven you. There's this great story that I just read. It was by a doctor. His name was Jim Clark. And he actually posted this. And he said, I had the greatest day today. Let me tell you about it. He goes, today I operated on a little girl. She needed O blood. We didn't have any. But her twin brother has O blood. I explained to him that it was a matter of life and death. He sat quietly for a moment and then said goodbye to his parents. I didn't think anything of it until after we took his blood and then he asked, so when will I die? He thought he was giving his life for hers. Thankfully, they will both be fine. Isn't that beautiful? The little picture of the gospel. It's this idea that you have a big brother in Jesus who came to give his life on behalf of yours so that you might have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. There is someone who gave their life for yours so that you could have life and hope and freedom and forgiveness and a relationship with God. And it's my prayer that you would pursue that. Always be in mind, or have in mind the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray this morning. So God, we pray. God, help us to walk in this constant awareness of your presence. Help us to walk in prayer. Help us to be mindful of you, to be thoughtful, to see what it is that you're up to in the world. What it is that you're up to in me, God? Help me to know your ways, to know your will, to depend on your strength, Lord God. Help me to have a grateful heart. God, help me to always be in mind of the gospel, the good news of what you have done for me. Thank you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.